Well, good morning, everybody. <laughs> well, that's a very promising start. Thank you. The, uh, it's really nice to be here. I've never been here before, but I, I, I know of the, the church and what you've been up to and a little bit about your history. So it's nice to be a part of that. Um, I'm in the process of overcoming uh, jet lag. So you know that you've got serious jet lag when you open up your iPad and your facial recognition doesn't recognize you. Right? <laughs> so uh, <laughs> this morning, we'll see how it goes. I, thinking about dementia is not always equated with the good news of the gospel. And people have all sorts of strange ideas about dementia. And when you look at the, the statistics and the kind of way that people think, people are more afraid of dementia than they are of cancer. Right? And there's something about dementia that pushes into our idea that we are who, what we remember ourselves to be. We are our intellect, our, our reason, and all of these things. But I want to suggest to you that there's a different way that's given to us to think about dementia and to think about one another. Uh, if we reflect on what Scripture has to say. Um, I want to begin with a story. Um, in 2019, I spent a year in Sydney. I was on sabbatical. Uh, and I was working again with Hammond Care and with Stephen Judd. Um, uh, and uh, it was the year when the pandemic began. Right? So we were supposed to be here for a year. In nine months, we had to rush home because otherwise we'd be trapped it's not that I don't like Sydney. I just don't want to be trapped here for 18 months or whatever it was like. So it was, it was really interesting, really good. Like. But a little bit while before we went, I went to a garden party. And I had this conversation with a, a gentleman about uh, faith and dementia. And he said to me something like this. He said, uh, okay, so I'm, I'm an accountant. Uh, if I can no longer do my accounting then I'm no longer capable of being an accountant. He said, well, surely it's the same thing with somebody's faith life. If they're no longer able to remember the things that they used to do or do the things they used to do, is it not the case that they become spiritually incompetent? And I thought, that's an unusual way. I understand what he means by that. But I thought, that's a strange way to think about that, that somehow your own body uh, determines the nature of your soul, the nature of your spirit. And if you forget who you are, then something profound happens to your spirituality. So I want to, I mean, many people think that way. But I want us to think slightly different, uh, differently about things. Uh, what makes you, you? It's a complicated uh, question because who we are is a whole combination of things. We are parents and friends and families, all sorts of things. But what makes you, you? Within our culture, we very often think that what makes us who we are is who we remember ourselves to be. Very often, when people, somebody gets dementia, you'll hear people's language beginning to change. And they'll say things like, um, he or she is not the person that they used to be. Now, why do people think that way? Well, because in our culture, in order to be who you are, you need to be able to remember your past bring it into the present and project onto the future your hopes and dreams and so on and so forth. When you have some kind of memory difficulty, you can no longer do that. And so therefore people think, well, he can't remember his past or she can't remember who she is, so therefore she cannot be the person that she was. Like, as if 
Everything that we are, who we are, is wrapped up in our bodies, as if all that we are is our brains in that sense. But that doesn't actually make a lot of sense. Think about the way that memory works. You know, I came to faith when I was uh, in my early 20s. I'd been around church for a long time, but I, I, I kind of came to proper faith in my early 20s. All that time before that, I thought I was a pretty decent person. Um, but then suddenly when I meet and encounter Jesus, I discover that I'm a horrible sinner in danger of damnation. In other words, everything I thought about myself, everything I remembered about myself, turned out not to be the case. And memory is like that. It's fickle. We don't actually remember in the same way as you remember a photograph or, 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 or a picture or a painting. You remember bits and pieces, you remember things, and you forget things. If we are our own memory, then we have a problem. Because that memory, for all of us, will fade over time, will disappear over time. But when we turn to Scripture, you see something different. The Apostle Paul says, you're not who you are in and of yourself. You're who you are in Christ. Your true identity is not the things that you think about yourself, the space that you inhabit within your own mind. Your true identity is, is found in Christ. And more than that, in Colossians 3, Paul says this. He says, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Isn't that interesting? Who you are is hidden with Christ God. So even those of us who think we know things, think we remember things about ourselves, actually there are huge swathes of ourselves that we don't know, that are held and hidden in Christ. So it's not to do with what you and I can remember or what you and I forget. It's to do with how God remembers us. Isaiah 49, 15, can a mother forget the baby at her breast? And have no compassion on the child she has born. Isaiah says that God never forgets us. God never abandons us. And that's why that passage from Romans is so important when we're thinking about what dementia is and what dementia is not. Because Paul says very clearly, nothing can separate us from the God, from the love of God. He doesn't say nothing apart from this, that, and the next day. He says nothing can separate us from the love of God. So we're constantly held in the memories of God. When you forget, when I forget, God remembers. And that's the beauty and the safety of the, of the, of the gospel in that sense. So what does that look like? Well, it means that we have to change our perception of dementia in profound ways. Uh, when we're with people, we have to change in profound ways. The writer to the Hebrews defines faith as being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you cannot see. Think about that. Sure of what you hope for and certain of what you cannot see. That's true on the big scale of our relationship with God, but it's also true of our relationships with one another. When we are in that situation where we think, well, this person's lost their memory, this person's not the, the, the person they used to be, if we take that idea of faith seriously, 
being sure of what we hope for and certainly what we cannot see, then it changes our relationship. And when it changes our relationship with somebody, all sorts of interesting things begin to happen. I don't know if you've ever had the experience of being with somebody who lives with dementia. Um, particularly in the, in the advanced stages of dementia, uh, if you slow down and take time, very often you see beautiful things. If you slow down and take time with somebody, you begin to notice points of contact, contact that you would never see if you're moving too quickly. When you find these points of contact, you begin to see that your faith is absolutely uh, put in the right place in that sense. If you're sure of what you hope for, certainly you can't see very often, you see things that you would never see otherwise. So it means we have to change our understanding of both presence, how we're present with one another, and our understanding of time. First of all, the issue of presence. One of the things that uh, I noticed uh, about our culture is our tendency to be absent. You know, it's kind of like a social media thing. You know, if you imagine four people sitting around the table, a dinner table, all of them on their phones, all of them in different places, all of them in the same place, but different places. That sense that we're in the room, but not of the room. Uh, and one of the things that was noted in a, the recent Royal Commission into uh, abuses in elder care in Australia was the tendency for carers to be absent, right? So they would be uh, looking after somebody, but people would be talking across them or on their phones. And so you get a culture where people are present physically, but absent. And that's devastating for people when they're in a vulnerable situation, devastating for people with dementia, that you can be present but absent at the same time. So culturally, we're beginning to develop a, the, a, a culture within which we're getting used to being uh, absent. You transfer that into your relationships with vulnerable people and you can see exactly what it is. We need to learn how to be present. And there's a beautiful... Uh, spiritual practice within the Christian tradition called the sacrament of the present moment. And what that is, is when you slow down and concentrate on the God-given breath that you have. And when you breathe in, when you breathe out, you realize that every breath that you take is a gift from God. And when you get into that space, uh, then you begin to realize that every person that you encounter is a gift from God. And when you're in that space, everything changes. So presence is really, really important. Not just in the context of people with dementia, but for all of us. Because I don't know what you're like, but I very often am at least uh, two meetings ahead of myself when I'm in front of somebody. To be in that space where you really are with somebody is something that's important in relation to dementia, but it's really important in relation to who we are as people. But the second thing uh, we need to think about is the way in which we think about time. I don't know if you ever think about time, but time in our society, a capitalist society, we use it as a, a commodity. You buy time, you waste time, you use time. Everything you do with your money, you do with your time. And so time becomes a commodity like cornflakes or 
or, or Mars bars. I don't know if you, do you have Mars bars here, or do you have Snick? Americans have Snickers, and we have marathons. You have Mars bars. I don't know which. Right? But everything you do with your money, you, you do with your time in that way. And time becomes really, really oppressive. So we haven't got time for anybody at the best of times. We don't have time to spend with people. Um, I think we need to think about time again. There's a beautiful uh, book by a, a Japanese theologian called Kasuka Kiyama. And the book is called uh, The Three Mile an Hour God. And uh, this is how it is. He says... Uh, the average speed that a human being walks at is three miles per hour. Jesus, who is God, walks at three miles per hour. Jesus, who is God, who is love, walks at three miles per hour. Love has a speed, and it's slow. It says 40 years in the wilderness is God's basic educational policy on time. Time is slow. And I spoke to one of my friends who works in a, a busy American hospital. And I, I was we were talking about this idea of the three mile an hour God. And he said, this place makes me uh, run at nine miles per hour. And I said to him, well, if Jesus is walking at three miles an hour and you're walking at nine miles an hour, then who's following who? I think it's really important. So think about how the speed that you work. Are you walking at the speed of love or are you walking at the speed of, of of yourself or of your work or of your whatever your priority is at that moment in time. In order to understand uh, how we can be with people who are with, with dementia, actually to be with all of us in that sense, you need to slow down and take time to be with those things that the world considers to be trivial. And when we do that, then we begin to A, act like Jesus, B, move at the speed of love, and see, live faithful lives in the midst of difficult circumstances. So the, the final thing that I want us to think about, having to think about how to be present with one another, think about how to use our time. The final thing I want to think about is love. You know, there's a, a, a beautiful um, video on dementia by a gentle, American uh, gentleman called Michael Verdi. And he's looking at, uh, it's called Love is Listening, and he's looking at the context of love, uh, the context of dementia, and how love works itself out in dementia. And let me read to you a little bit about the way that it runs. The opening scene for uh, the, the, the film runs something like this. So there's an African-American woman who's uh, having this conversation with uh, her friend. The African-American woman is in advanced stages of dementia, and she's really beginning to, to lose a lot of, of the things that she used to have in terms of memory. And she says this, I don't know where I am. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where I've just come from, but I'm not fearful. And then she pauses, and she looks deeply into the eyes of the person that she's talking to. Because I see all around me, I don't see a lot, but I see patience. She looks upwards in a way, her eyes gaze over, glaze over a little. I see gratitude. I see tolerance. Then she slowly looks back towards her friend and smiles. I think I see love. And she smiles again. And your face is a picture 
of love. It's a very beautiful and moving scene. This woman who's losing everything, or it seems to be, is actually discovering things, discovering new things in the world. But what she's finding is herself in the face of her friend. Your face is a picture of love. Now, I think that's such a powerful and such a countercultural image. Your face is a picture of love. Because if you look at the way in which dementia is constructed within society, it's always negative things. It's always loss. It's always pain. It's always suffering. But this lady's experience says it doesn't have to be that way. Yes, there are difficult things. Yes, there are troubling things. But if you have people around you whose faces are pictures of love, then even in the midst of the difficult things, you can find hope. And one of the problems for people living with dementia, amongst many other problems, is that society doesn't love them. You know, think about it. There's a really interesting definition of, of love that's given by a, a scholar of Thomas Aquinas called Joseph Pieper. And he, he describes love in this way. He says, it's good that you exist, and I'm glad that you are here. Right? There's something beautiful about that. You know, God creates the world and says, it's good that you exist. I'm glad that you are here. It's the exact opposite for many people who live with this, the, dementia. Society says, it's not good that you exist. And it's not good that you're here. And our faces are not the picture of love. One of the beautiful things that the gospel does is it makes us welcome. It gives us a space of belonging in the heart of God. And one of the fantastic gifts that you and I can give to, to people living with dementia is to make sure that our faces are a picture of love. That our attitudes are a picture of love. That our communities are a picture of love and acceptance and belonging. Spaces where people are cared for. When they're not there, they're missed in that sense. And that's the essence of belonging. Is that, um, uh, to belong, you need to be missed by somebody. And many people living with dementia are just not missed by anybody. So that's the challenge that Paul brings to us in that passage. Like Nothing can separate us from the love of God, apart from perhaps the fact that we ignore people and don't make them feel loved in that sense. Like, so it's a beautiful gift that's given to us in the, in the face of dementia to ensure that our picture faces are a picture of love. But that expression, it's good that you exist, I'm glad that you're here, is the beginning of the community. So what I'd like you to do as I'm just finishing now is turn to the person beside you, right, and say, it's good that you exist, I'm glad that you're here. So try it. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> you can stop loving each other now. That's good. So make that, make that the slogan for your life or the slogan for today. But in the context of, of dementia, think about that as a, a way of transforming the way that you look at people. It's good that you exist, and I'm glad that you're here. Thank you for listening.